You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life Pullman Campus, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. You guys ready to go to work? We're going to tie down this sermon series. Um, One of the things that we've discovered throughout this series is that, um, you know, we asked for the 90-day faith challenge back at the beginning, and we had over 200 families sign up to commit to this faith challenge for the next 90 days, which is really cool. That's really cool. Anytime that we can do anything in our church where 200, not people, families, 200 families step out and say, we're going to risk in our faith so that the Lord can work more, like, that's awesome. That's really cool. So 200 families have signed up for this, and, and um, this, we're going to tithe the way God asks us to tithe for the next 90 days, and we're just going to see what happens. We're just going to see what happens. And, and before you get all, well, what happens after 90 days? I got plans for you, all right? Uh, don't worry about it. Um, that being said, uh, it's been really cool to watch... Uh, the conversations that have emerged out of that in our home groups and, and just people emailing us and, and not being snooty about it at all, just having genuine, like, we don't really know, like, okay, I'm, I'll do it. What is it? Um, what is it that I'm doing? Which I love that kind of faith. Like, yes, what? <laughs> um, that's cool. So what I want to do today is just talk about, like, this is what tie this. Real simple, real basic, real Easy peasy, lemon squeezy, right? So we're going to talk about that today, and then and hopefully we'll land the plane on, in some areas where, uh, you know, we can really get excited about. Because here's, here's the reality. Like, let's go back to the Shopco building. So the Shopco build, is going out of business. Let's say that we bought it. L- let me tell you how much it's going to take. Seven million. Right? And, you, and you know, it's, it's not a lot of money. Not for that building, it's not a lot of money. We just don't have a frame of reference for $7 million. But here's the bigger issue. That's $30,000 a month to pay the mortgage on that, right? Uh, That's about $20,000 more than we're paying right now. So where do we get that $20,000 a month? Like, it's a great idea to go buy it, but how do we sustain it? Are you with me? Now, here's what I know. Here's what I also know. That kind of resource does exist in our congregation. But for whatever reason, we have people who have not stepped out in the faith to trust the Lord with it. And that's the shame. Not only because it limits ministry, like we're fine. We will do ministry at the level at which we have the resources to be able to do it. That's just, that's how we're gonna function. Um, But it also is robbing you of God's work in your life. And that's the part that hurts me. Like the truth is we're fine. We'll figure it out and we'll be okay. Um, So the, the price is in your life. It's not in my life right? That's what I'm hoping for, that, for you to get from this, is that this is about God working to open up new worlds and new blessings and new things in your life. That's what I'm after for you. So I want to talk about this. We're going to begin in Proverbs chapter 3, and, and I think this is significant. So let's read it. My son, don't forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years, bring you peace and prosperity. So before we move on, I want to, I want to throw this out. If we keep God's commands, it prolongs our life. Um, We get a longer life, but not just a longer life. We get a longer life full of peace and prosperity. That's what it says. Now we're going to talk about what those commands are, okay? And and this is significant, okay? Let's read. Let's continue reading. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Do you think that's a significant part of being a follower of God? To always have love and faithfulness be a part of your life? Like, absolutely. Nobody argues with that. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. 
Then you will win favor and a good name in sight of God and man, which for the record means that you don't have to choose. There's a whole lot of people that are trying to put their God on display and they're being jerks in, to people. That's not, you don't have to make that choice. Like you can, you can have favor with God and man. Not everyone, because there's trolls, right? Uh, that are just gonna not like you no matter what. But that's what it says. You can win favor in the sight of God and man. Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. How many of your ways? All of them. Not 85% of them. Not 98.2% of them. Right? Not 99.927654 of them. All of your ways. And submit to him and he'll make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Now this is the part where we get dicey. Like all that other stuff, love and faithfulness, submit to the Lord, yep, 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 follow his command, yep, 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 yep. Now you gotta treat your money the way he says to. Nope, I think I can do it better. I think I can do it my own way and still get all the other stuff. Well, submit all your ways to the Lord and then all these other things happen. Then, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. And then your barns will be filled to overflowing. And your vats will brim with new wine. This is God math. That when we give something that we think is going to leave a hole, God actually brings back more. Right? So we honor God with the first fruits. And then we, get, we still have more than enough. Because what God promises is that he will do more with your 90% than you can do with your 100. It's just, it's God math. I'll tell you a story. My, my wife and I, when we were first married, um, we made $683 a month. We were rolling in it. But the minimum wage at that time was $4.15 an hour, and we made $4.75 an hour. And I thought, man, I am in fat city. Right? Like, look at all this stuff, all this money I'm making. Our bills each month were $715 every month. So we made $683 a month. Our bills every month were $715. We never, not one time, did we ever go into debt. That's God math. Because the first thing that we did every month was write a check to the Lord. That's God math. When you honor God with your first fruits of your finances, he takes care of closing those gaps. And it was the most bizarre thing. Like we would come home and there'd be a bag of groceries on our doorstep. No, no, nothing. Like that just when we were like, oh my gosh, we don't know what we're going to do. You know, we got 20 cents in our checking account and we got a lot of month left. Like there's, what are we going to do? And that just would come through or uh, we would show up and there was an envelope full of cash on our, on our doorstep, like ones and pennies and nickels. Like somebody was like, Seriously, the Lord told me to just take, empty my piggy bank in this and give it to you. But we never know who. Like that kind of stuff happens. When you put yourself in a position for God to bless you, that's the kind of things that happen all the time. Like we would open up our mailbox and get a random check for 300 bucks. And here's the funny thing. It wasn't like we were like, oh my goodness, look at all this money. It was, and then the next day the car broke down and guess how much it took to get it fixed. That's the kind of stuff that God does all the time. When we put ourselves in a position to be blessed by him. That's God math. 
And for many of us, when we think about tithing, it's not just whether or not we're giving, it's that are we giving the right things the right way. And so for a lot of us, we're giving the right things, but we're doing it the wrong way. And my dad says this all the time, the right thing done the wrong way becomes the wrong thing. And so what we want to do is take a look at this. What is a tithe? How are we supposed to function with it? And what are the implications of that for me if I could actually do that? Okay? So that's what we're going to take a look at today. Three things that we need to know, three realities about a tithe. Number one is that the tithe should be the first tenth of your income. That's important. Both of those words, first, tenth. Now, why do we say a tenth? Because the word tithe means one-tenth. That's what the word means. And the word means a tenth. And tenth means the word, right? Like, we can't escape that. So, so you can say you're tithing, but unless you're giving 10%, you're not. You can't 6% a tithe. That's a gift. It's an offering. There's nothing wrong with that. Giving, a, giving an offering is a wonderful thing to do, but it's not a tithe. That's the thing that matters. It's not a tithe. Don't call something what it is when it isn't. The tithe is the first tenth. The first tenth. The first tenth. So how it works is money in, the first tenth out to the Lord. What a lot of us will do is we do, if you remember the video last week, Paul Hansen did the two circles on the board and he was like, here's this kind of person and this kind of person. What most of us do is we spin, 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 spin. And then if we have something left over, we'll give out of the remainder leftovers. We give at the end, not at the first. What you have to understand is that for God's people, he says, give up front before you know how things are going to shake out. Give. Give before you think your car might break down. Give before that. And, and for them, because crops were a part of this, it wasn't all of it, but it was a part of it, because crops were a part of it, they gave their crops before they knew how much they were going to actually get in. Now understand this, they're not vocational farmers, they're subsistence farmers. So they're, they're farming for food so that they could stay alive. And they would give before they knew how much they were actually going to harvest. We give first. It's the first tenth. And that's important because we can't miss. that. You can give all you want to and still miss God's blessing because you're not doing God's things God's way. And that's a significant thing. So I want to read a passage out of Exodus 23. It says, celebrate the festival of harvest with the first fruits of the crops you sow in your field. What part are we supposed to give to the Lord? By the way, do a word study on first fruits. Do a word study on that and see how many places it shows up in connection to giving to the Lord. God doesn't ever want your leftovers. He doesn't ever want that. What he wants is your first fruits. Let's keep reading. Celebrate the festival of ingathering at the end of the year when you gather in your crops from the field. Then three times a year, all the men are to appear before the sovereign Lord. Do not offer the blood of a sacrifice to me along with anything containing yeast. And the fat of my festival offerings must not be kept till morning. Bring the best of the first fruits of your soil. What kind of first fruits are we supposed to bring? The best. And by the way, this is another one of those things that as you do your word study on first fruits, it's not just about the first fruits. Like bring the best. Give God the best 
of the things that you have. And then he'll take your, your other stuff and make it strong. It's like it's this biblical principle where God says something like, in your weakness, I am made strong. When you don't have anything good to offer God and he takes it and makes it something amazing, who gets the credit for that? God does. So bring the first fruits of your soil, the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God and don't cook a young goat in its mother's milk because that's significant. Uh, it's the back half of the verse. That's why it's in there. Um, I didn't want to, I hate it when people cherry pick the Bible and they don't like just let the context say what it says. Uh, not really pertinent to the discussion we have today, but interesting connection. It's an interesting connection. So another conversation for another day. Your tithe needs to be the first tenth of your income and it needs to be the best of your income. The number two thing that I want to talk about with tithing is that tithing helps us remember whose stuff all this is. If we're not careful, what we can do is start believing that everything that we own belongs to us. I worked hard for it. I earned it. This is mine. I'm going to take it and use it and manage it and kind of make it for me, for my world, for my stuff. And God's like, man, 100% of this is not yours. Like, it's all his. Psalm 24.1 says this, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. How much of the earth is God's? All of it. And what about the things that are in it? How much of that is God's? All that too. Like exactly zero of your things are yours. And the problem for us is that we love to talk about the things that we've got. Look at I worked hard for this and I saved and it was wonderful and I bought it. And there's nothing wrong with that, but you need to understand it's not yours. It's Delorge chips, right? All of it. It's all his. And so we wrestle with this question, like who's the hero of our story? And we love to be the hero of our own story. Like I built this with my, out of the ground with my own hand. Look at the thing and I, look at me. We love to be the hero of our own story. But the problem is if we call ourselves followers of Jesus, we're not the hero of our story. God is. God's the hero of our story. And so how we live should tell everyone that God's the hero of our story. I want to read a passage out of the uh, Italian prophet Malachi, um, Malachi chapter 3, and, and I want to get a kind of a rolling contextual start because this is a famous passage, but I think we miss the conversation that's going on around it if we're not careful. Here's what it says, I, the Lord, do not change, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you've turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you. So here's the conversation that God is having with his people through Malachi. You guys have rejected me, and you, your people have kind of historically always rejected me. If you'll return to me, because I don't change, like my character is full of grace, because I don't change, like I will welcome you back. And so they ask, well, how do we return? How do we come back to you? What's the problem, God? How, do, how are we disconnected from you in the first place? Here's what he says. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. So the problem is you're rejecting me. Well, how are, you reje how are we rejecting you? Because you're stealing from me. That's the conversation that's going on. So stop stealing, start doing the right thing, and we're good. 
Let's read on. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. Understand this. If you choose not to tithe, like I can't make you, and I don't track you, so I don't know who does and who doesn't. But what I can tell you is, what the Bible says is that when you choose not to tithe, you're stealing from God. It's the truth. And you can try to use it to make your own life more comfortable, but it'll never work. The weird thing is that how we engineer our lives, enough things go wrong that ultimately God's going to take it anyway. Like, why not just give it to him? You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Now, let me ask you a question about this. Simply speaking, let's just play the statistics. Is everybody in the whole nation stealing from God? Probably not. But everybody's paying for it, for those few that are. See, that's the problem with choosing to not honor the Lord's commands. It's not just you who pays for it. It's all of us. Like, we all pay a price when one person chooses disobedience. That's why, if you remember um, the story of the children of Israel, and they go in to conquer Jericho, and a guy by the name of Achan steals some of the stuff that God says, that's all mine, don't take any of it. But Achan steals it, and then they go up to this little town called Ai, which is creatively spelled Ai. Um, and they, they attack it, and this little tiny nothing town, especially not anything compared to Jericho, and they get their... Heine's handed to him, and a bunch of people die. Like a bunch of guys are killed because of the sin of Achan. Like we have an obligation to one another. And I know that as Americans, we don't like that. But when we're in community with one another, we're obligated to one another on all kinds of levels. Like think about this. Like as a pastor of this church, I have an obligation to conduct my wealth in a, myself in a certain kind of way. If I don't, then you're embarrassed and then you're like, oh, I don't trust him and he's not a good, like there's all kinds of factors in that, right? Like I can't go out and get trashed out in the, at the bar and woo, dance on the table, which wouldn't be funny anyway, I'd just break the table, but like I can't do that or, or go to a, a high school football game and yell and scream and cuss at the refs, like I can't do that. It's not because I don't sometimes want to, but I can't, because here's why, because I'm obligated to you to conduct myself in a way that is becoming of the position that I hold. Same's true for you. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, you are obligated to conduct yourself in some kind of way. You're obligated to us to do that. That includes how we behave. It includes how we give. It's why for me, I want to set the standard for generosity in our church, not play catch up. And so my wife and I give more than 10% to our church because we want to be known not for our own benefit, but we want to be known that for us, being generous is a part of the Christian life. And we take it seriously. We're willing to literally put our money where our mouth is. So we want to be serious about that because the whole nation suffers when one of us doesn't take it seriously. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Now let me throw this out. Where's the, where's the storehouse at according to that verse? Here's what he says. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food where? 
my house. Where is that? It's the temple. It's where they worship. So I'm just going to say this. Um, a lot of people ask me all the time, like, what can, can, I, can I split my tithe up and decide where it goes? Well, okay, a couple of problems, a couple of wrestling matches for you. And again, I'm not checking you. I'm just telling you a couple of wrestling matches. Number one, it's not yours to decide where it goes. It's the Lord's. Give it to him. What happens for a lot of us is that we, um, we give to a lot of different causes in the community, but those causes may, not, may or may not carry a whole bunch of spiritual weight. So we give a lot of well-meaning things, um, clubs, you know, different organizations. Um, I had a buddy that was just learning, figuring out tithe, and he's like, but I gave a ton of money to the wrestling program, the wrestling club, and the wrestling club was great. It's just not very spiritual, right? Like, your tithe belongs to the Lord. It ought to at least be being used for spiritual purpose. And the truth is, if you say, well, then I give it to parachurch organizations. If you would just tithe the way the Lord asked you to do, none of those parachurch organizations would ever worry about being fully funded. There would be more than enough money to go around. We, we just don't, don't trust it. We don't trust it. And so we don't. The other thing that I would say is, where, then where is that for me? Where is that storehouse for me? Storehouses hold food. That's what a storehouse is for. I think you should give your tithe at the place where you spiritually eat. That's what I think. And I know some of you are going to be like, I don't agree with that. Um, okay. <laughs> I am 100% confident of this. You won't change my opinion, and I won't change yours. But we're not negotiating, at least we're not negotiating on the amount. 10% needs to be given to the Lord, to the Lord, for spiritual causes, at a minimum. I'm going to recommend that you bring it to the church. I think that's where it belongs. And I think it says a lot about who's the hero of your story. I think that's important. Now, last, the last thing that um, tithing does for us is it helps us bring the first and the best to the Lord. It's not just enough that we bring some of the leftovers. Genesis chapter four, here's what it says. This is PG-13 at the beginning, so I apologize. So Adam and wife Eve, and they became pregnant, and she gave birth to Cain. And she said, with the Lord's help, I've brought forth a man, which is a phenomenal conversation for another day. And later she, because the, the word man is, she didn't bring forth a man, she brought forth a baby. It's a different Hebrew word. So why does she call it the man? Um, later she gave birth to his brother Abel. And now Abel kept the flocks and Cain worked the soil. And in the course of time, Cain brought some, some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. Okay, so right now, here's what we need to do. What's the difference between Cain's sacrifice and Abel's sacrifice? Yeah, Cain, in the course of time, just brought some stuff. He just brought some stuff. Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn. So it wasn't just the firstborn, it was the best of his firstborn. And, and how we do that says a lot about who our God is, right? Like, how, what kind of an offering are we giving? Are we giving just, well, I guess I gotta do something. Or are we saying, no, 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 God, you are worth my very best and more. I wish I could find a way to give you more. When we have that kind of an attitude with the Lord, it has a tendency to work out better for us. 
right? So let's keep reading. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. Why? What was God's problem with Cain's offering? It was just the leftovers. He didn't take it seriously. So Cain was angry and his face was downcast. Why? Because his brother's getting blessed way beyond him. Why is his brother getting blessed way beyond him? It's completely within Cain's power to change it. It's completely within his capacity to make this different. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, you'll be accepted. Like God's like, I'm not, I'm not mad. Just do the right thing. We're good. Just do the right thing. Do, it the right, do the right thing the right way. This is the part that we struggle to get through our head. We've got to learn that when God says to do something, it is always in our best interest to do it. Like God's not trying to control you. God's not trying to be the big bully in the sky. God's wanting to open up worlds of goodness to you that can only come when you develop the character to steward those blessings well. For many of us, if we were to get buried in cash, it would destroy us, it wouldn't help us. Because we don't have the character to match that kind of income. Now, I know that most of us would be like, well, I'll give it a try. Like, let's, let's see, <laughs> right? I'll give it a whirl. Um, here's the thing. Being generous to the Lord, putting him first, develops in us the kind of character that we need so that when we're blessed, we don't become selfish with it. We don't use it to take advantage of other people. We talked about, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Solomon, right? And his like insatiable need to build his own empire. Like his money wasn't a bad thing, but what he started to do because of this need to amass wealth, what he started to do was use other people to build his empire. And it became a really negative thing. That's what we do. So what we have to learn up front, before we ever get the blessing of God, we gotta learn to trust him. And that's what tithing does. And so uh, with that in mind, we're gonna move towards the Lord's table which we take communion every week in our church. So if you're new with us, we have an open table. Uh, what that means is anybody who's willing to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus with us is invited to partake in communion, but we want you to hold the elements till the end and we'll take them all together. While they're passing that out, I wanna work through a few of our questions for our home groups this week. Um, for a lot of you, you've... Um, You've been, you're like, I, th I would like to join a home group, but it sounds weird, it sounds scary, I don't really know what they do. So what we're doing is we're gonna give you, like, here's the discussion for the home group this week so you know exactly what to think about it and, and you can be ruminating on it and kicking around, maybe even jot a few notes on some of these questions as you prepare for your home group this week, okay? But here's where we're gonna go this week in our conversation. And I wanna say this, here's my experience. Um, let me, thank you. Here's my experience with the tithing conversation in home group. Typically, there's a lot of people that get sick on home group night. <laughs> Man, something crazy came up. Um, here's, here's my thought. We've had some phenomenal discussions in our home group uh, over the last four weeks. With, and some of our people really struggle to tithe, and some of them have never really done it before. Um, and so they're wrestling with how do you do that and how do you put it into play and all that. Um, I would suggest that um, even if you're struggling to tithe and you don't know, like, I feel guilty and shame. And, and like, I don't want you to feel shame. I just want you to honor the Lord. Like, just 
Just do what's right and we're good. That's just like Cain. Like, don't, don't beat yourself up over it. Let's just move forward together. Um, but I would really encourage you not to try to quit on group this week. Go into the conversation and have a good attitude about it and a desire to really honor the Lord with your conversation. Here's question number one. We would all agree that keeping God's commands means loving others well, being faithful, and trusting God. All, all those out of Proverbs 3, right? We would agree that all those things are important. What about money makes it so hard to add to that list? And when Proverbs 3 adds it to the list, how do you respond to that? Like it's, it's just as important as any other thing that we do to honor the Lord. It's just as important as any of the other things that we do. And before you go, well, gosh, church, church, you just want my money. Listen, there's no single person in here or any group of 10 people in here that if they pulled their tithe would sink the church. I don't care how much money you make. Like, we're fine. We'll make adjustments and do whatever we need to do. Sometimes we can do more. Sometimes we'll have to do less. But the truth is, this isn't about the church getting your money. This is about you opening up new worlds of God's faithfulness and blessing to you. That's what we want. Second question. When you tithe, do you tithe the first tenth of your income? For many of us, we're giving God's things, but not God's way. What do you think might be different if you changed the way you give? Maybe something worth discussing. Like what could God do in your life if you put yourself in a position to be blessed? What could he do? Next question. We love a story filled with picking ourselves up and making ourselves the hero, but God is the one who gives you the ability to work. And as you live your life, who is the hero of your story? Who are you trying to get people to notice in your life? Paul says, it's not me who lives, it's Christ who lives in me. So when people see you and they don't see Jesus, maybe there's some growth to do because they shouldn't be seeing you. They should be seeing Christ living in you. Last question. What do, you think about, what do you think about the Jonathan Sachs quote? We're going to pull it up in just a minute. If you believe that, what would change about how you're stewarding your money right now? So I want to pull that quote up. The privilege of wealth is not in what it allows us to do for ourselves, but in what it enables us to do for others. Do you really believe that? Like, that's a great quote. But what would be different if you really took that quote to heart? Privilege of wealth isn't about what it allows us to do for ourselves. It's in how it enables us to help other people. Um, this is a place where we've got to learn to adjust our thinking. It's part of why I love taking communion because it's this reminder that, oh, right, it's not about me. It's about laying my life down so that the Lord can do his work in my life and in the lives of people around me as an extension of that. This reminds me that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and said, this is my body, which is given for you. So whenever you eat this bread, do it in remembrance of me. In the same way after the dinner, he took a cup and he said, this cup, it's a new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. So whenever you drink this cup, do it in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that um, you don't bail out on us. And thank you for this crazy invitation to trust you. Thank you for the blessings that await us on the other side of that promise. God, give us courage to stand in faith and spend our money the way that you would have us to do. In your name, amen. 
Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life on the Palouse. You can find out more about us by visiting us online at liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Also, if you enjoyed this message, make sure you check out the new podcast from our lead pastor, Aaron Couch, called A Better Conversation. Search for it on our website, iTunes, and the Google Play Store.